All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? And it's time for OnComicsGrounds.com's flagship podcast, panel to panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are here for issue two. Two. That's, that's not two, that's four. But whatever. And we are here to talk about all fun comic news and things going on in the world of nerd culture. We got some funny stuff. We got some interesting stuff. And we got some serious stuff that we're going to talk about tonight. So we are here for that. To my left. We have my amazing co-host, Mary. How are you doing tonight? Hello, I'm doing all right. I'm nursing a bit of a cold, so I've got my uh, sexy tenor voice going right now. <laughs> You'll have to bear with me for that one. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. And I am I am wearing a shirt. You just can't tell with my hair, but... <laughs> I mean, like... I Covering feel... my bases. <laughs> yeah, like... I mean, like, running through Twitch, like, just, like, just screaming, like, streaking would be kind of weird. Well, I just don't like want to adjust my hair and have somebody be like, "Is she not wearing a shirt?" Like, nah, nah, we're good. All right. Uh, well, no, go ahead. I did get a new snapback this week, so that's exciting. Ooh, that's good. Like you, you think okay. you, like did, did they not make Shazam snapbacks for the, like the movie? Like the new era didn't make Shazam snapbacks. Uh, I think I saw a couple. They just re- weren't really my thing. Ah, uh, okay. Because I think it was like I think it was like a red hat with a black lightning bolt. Like they invert colors. Because I got it at Spencer's gifts. Uh, see, I can't do Spencer's because like snapbacks their size don't fit this big head of mine. Uh, like, but no, like why don't, why don't we start there, Mary? Um, what like you went and saw Shazam? Um, I did. I'm I'm the creature that doesn't like that that doesn't mind spoilers. But for the sake of the audience, uh, what were your thoughts? In a non-spoilery fashion of Shazam. In a non-spoilery fashion, um, it is probably one of the best superhero movies I have ever seen. That's a big statement right there. I know. It is my third favorite superhero movie overall. Because wow. uh, number one is Wonder Woman, number two is Donner Superman, and number three is Shazam. Now, like, hopefully without spoiling anything, why would you say it's your, like, favorite about that high on your list? Because the quality is just so 
goddamn good. I mean, um, Asher Angle, the kid who plays Billy, is phenomenal. Zachary Levi, I was a little iffy on him going in because you know I hadn't really seen a lot with him, seen a lot with him in it, and it's just he really captured the role. Okay. And the ironic thing is that sometimes you really can't tell the difference between Zachary Levi as Billy and then uh, uh, you know. Asher, yes, thank you. But no, sometimes you you really can't tell the difference. And Billy and Freddy, they play so well off of each other. That's good. I would have liked a little more of the other foster siblings, but it's very much framed as a Billy-Freddy story. Oh, you didn't get, like, the the Mary you wanted? No, you do. I'm not going to go super into that. Um, (laughs) It is based very heavily on um, the New 52, Shazam. It is based very, very heavily, but Shazam doesn't look like this overly p- frightening Gary Frank artwork. I mean, like, it's Gary Frank, and he, like, has that very muscular quality to him, so it yeah. makes sense. But, I mean, what gets me is that it kind of, like, tonally, it feels like the Golden Age, almost. Really? Where, re- right, where you have this playful quality to it. But there are moments of legitimate horror, almost. And, like, kind of, you know, gruesome. Not, like, like there's not a lot of blood, but you know things are happening. Okay. It's definitely reminiscent of one of those darker uh, family movies. You know, from, like, the 80s and whatnot. Yeah. But... But in terms of the actual superhero presentation, it feels kind of golden agey, where it's great for kids, but it has just as much for adults too. Okay. Uh, there are two post-credit scenes. There's two. a mid-credit scene. Two. There's a mid-credit scene, and then there's one at the very, very end. Okay. Um, there are a couple of pretty. There's there's a couple cameos. Okay. I heard but one I'm not going to go into. There's two. Okay, cool. Well, from there, um, uh, I forgot. I forgot a, a couple things. Uh, don't forget, folks, to uh, like to follow to follow us here on Twitch for when we go live for this show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter on Twitter on Twitter and Instagram uh, at, on, on Comics Ground, um, and then follow the podcast at uh, PTP underscore Podcast on Twitter, um, and also check out our sister podcast, Panel to Panel. Where not paying on the <laughs> living on the Are edge. You okay? I, I, Are I'm, you okay? I'm overthinking because I'm frustrated at Liefeld. Well, we'll get there in a minute. Um, because I keep looking down at my notes and seeing Liefeld, and I'm like, but we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> well, like, uh, living on the edge. I guess started last night on that podcast, our Spider-Man podcast. Um, it was really a good time talking about the, the Raimi Spider-Man movie. So if you want to go check that out on our YouTube channel, the archive is available there. But this topic that we are about to discuss that sent the comic collector, uh, like, uh, social media up into a frenzy this week. So, um, last week, or this, I, I, it was either last week or this week. Well, let, let me, let me get, let me get my, like, data in check here. Um, Spider-Man, Deadpool 47. So, we all know about Liefeld's newest creation that he scribbled onto a napkin and gave to um, Marvel to get some cash. Major X. 
No. <laughs> How do you really feel? Like, no, like, the minute I first saw this, is, like, is this <laughs> yes, like, like the, the first time I saw the, the, the image of Major X, it, it literally looked like life felt sat at like an olive garden and, and drew the, the, the picture and was like, I could sell this to Marvel to pay my bill for tonight. And it, like, it was so obvious. <laughs> and I remember uh, someone made the joke on a, on a podcast I listened to yesterday where um, they. But well, well, I'll make the joke in a second. Like, like they took like, oh, Major X's real first appearance was in Death of X number one, and Jeff Lemire should get the credit because Major X looks like the Cyclops that <laughs> I was dying. But no, but no, like, um, Spider-Man Deadpool came out a week early than it was supposed to. So it was like about uh, the thirteenth. Like, actually, no, actually, no, yeah, it was. It came out the thirteenth. Uh, it was supposed to come out later in, in like the next week. Um, and we had Major X come out the following week because major x was supposed to come out first and major x was supposed to be the first appearance of the character no one else could touch it and liefeld's been selling autographed copies on his website for 120 bucks a pop trying to get that extra cash like he's alex ross and he threw a fit on twitter and facebook because Spider-Man Deadpool has a shot in it from the artist who included um, Major X in the background. Um, Matt Hurak, like, like just randomly, was randomly allowed by Marvel to include Major X in the background because he thought the book was going to come out but like after Major X. So he didn't think nothing of it, but randomly the book came out first and speculators went out nuts. Started saying that Spider-Man Deadpool number 47 was the first appearance of uh, Major X and everyone started losing their their shit. And Lightbell comes out on Twitter and I want to I want to make sure that I uh like 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 he had said um Spider-Man Deadpool is not like number 47 is not the first appearance of Major X that Major X number 1 is the first appearance. And that he will never sign a Spider-Man Deadpool. He'll probably rip up your copy in front of him. And, uh, I, no and, and I was like, what are you doing, Liefeld? Like, the, the, it's not worth it. Why are you starting this fight? And it was this whole ordeal. And my, my, my more frustration about it was the situation of, if you look on Comic Book Roundup right now, which is basically the the Rotten Tomatoes of comic books. Um, the book is getting the the most horrid reviews of like a two or a four or a five because it's Liefeld drawing it and writing it, and it it, it reads like the worst kind of '90s comic. And yet he's trying to hype up this character like it's a brand new thing and like it it's like the, the, the next big thing at Marvel and all this stuff and it's like. No, it's not, Rob. It's not. <laughs> I don't think he realizes it's not 1994 anymore. That's what I think. I think he doesn't understand that, and he's trying to bang on his success. But like, you have the, you have the whole and like, and it was causing all these problems. Like, he blocked the guy who invented the Key Collector Comics app, and was trying to start stuff with people. He was blocking people left and right who were saying that it was the first appearance and not Major X, and it was this funny ordeal 
and I didn't understand why. Like, why are you getting so butthurt? Is it because you wanted the notoriety that your number one was the like, like the first appearance so you can get all these sales? Because I don't think it's going to get that many sales, especially no. if you're trying to sell 100, $120 copies that are autographed. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think someone even said the Wiles Portatio variant is selling more than his variants. So it's like, what do you want? <laughs> Like I said, I don't think he realizes that it's not 1993, 1994. Like, it, it is not. And, I don't know, I'm trying to say this without being all judgy. <laughs> I feel like Liefeld is one of the guys from the old guard that has never quite been able to move on. Yeah, that's a, fa- that's a very fair statement. And I mean, and you know, there are a couple of, you know, the older guys, um, Mike Miller leaps to mind. Um, McFarlane Miller, a little bit. Miller. Yeah. McFarlane, definitely. Um, I, I think that these guys, well, to a degree are talented. Yeah. Comics has moved past that. And I don't quite know if they fully grasped that. I think McFarlane does and Larson does. Yeah. But like I think I think Liefeld's problem is that he is trying to boost his like rec- recognition because he probably charges too much at cons for autographs. That's probably one yeah. issue that there is. And there's also the issue of he's trying to make this character be like Deadpool and Cable and it's just not going to happen. Like no, not at all. It'd be one thing if it was, like, Riri or Gabby, and that's just two random picks. I'm not, not like, saying those specifically. Or, like, any any character that had their first appearance in somebody else's book. Like, Cable's first appearance was in New Mutants. Like, if it was a rarity that your first appearance was, like, hidden in the back of a book, like Spider-Man Deadpool, that would be something of, no, of note. But you saying the number one, like... I don't really see a, like like other than Naomi recently, which is getting a lot of boom and speculation right now. Whether that a character's first appearance is their number one, like yeah. it doesn't happen anymore. I think, I think Marvel's last time they pulled that kind of stunt was um, Mosaic, and even Mosaic yes. didn't do that hot. <laughs> Mosaic bombed. And like it looks so That's promising, just... and it just didn't do it. <laughs> uh, first of all, look at this little kitty. Oh, it's a tiny little Riri. See, I'm I, I'm not a big fan of Doors, but I, like I love Funko for what they do, so I, I respect it. Yeah, I have a couple, but um, oh, bro, I have a whole. But no, I I think it's you know there's and that's gonna you know kind of tie into our main point tonight that comic fans and you know the speculator market especially has gotten really hypercritical yeah. because the number one market has exploded. It is absolutely exploded because the number one used to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now you could use them as paper towels. Like, there's some comics that like 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 a number two or a number three of current modern books that like they're not worth the paper they're printed on. It it really sucks. Most comics these days aren't worth the paper they're printed on because of market oversaturation. That's insane. Yeah, 
But I mean, people and particularly, you know, older guys who speculated a lot through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, you know, especially who are finding out that, you know, who found out 15, you know, 10, 15 years ago that, you know, their favorite book from the 70s is worth a lot of money. Therefore, all of my books must be worth a lot of money. And, like, the speculator market can get insane. And, you know, I say this as someone who's taken advantage of the speculator market before. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've gotten uh, variants. I've sold variants. Like, I have participated in the speculator market. But I'm not one of those crazy assholes <laughs> who are, you know, selling books, you know, trying to sell books for thousands of dollars. Like, yeah. And I mean, but... like... The, the, the speculator market does have, like, a very friendly community. Like, I know there's a lot of guys on Instagram that, like, are really into building a, com- a good community of people. But, like, I think that the stigma of scalpers coming in and just grabbing a first appearance of a character the mm-hmm. minute it comes out, and I'll even comment on that when we get to the main topic, uh, is just, it creates a bad stigma. So for Lysel to, like, try to, like, throw his hat in there and be like, this is the first appearance, like, no one cares. Like, they value the first appe- the actual first appearance that is, like, notable. Because, like, even if, God forbid, this Mighty Deadpool book was supposed to come out, like, the following week, no one cares. Like, and Liefeld can scream and, and bang his fist all he wants. Spider-Man Deadpool number 47 if it's CGC, it's probably going to go for, like, 100 bucks, even if it is a crappy character like Major X. Like, and granted, Major X might be the best, the, the next best thing that hits Marvel. I don't know. Like, they might even have, like, a, um, a Spidey Deadpool, or, like, a Major X, like, kills the Marvel Universe, like how um, Cosmic Ghost Rider is doing right now. But, like, even Cosmic Ghost Rider was a random thing that um, Kate did, and we didn't expect that to hit as hard as it did. But I mean, with something like Major X, it's probably going to float around for a couple months, maybe a year, and then Marvel's just kind of going to shoo the character off the stage. Be like, because... you could, maybe you go on Weapon X or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Liefeld has a very dedicated following. He always has. And since, you know, the Deadpool movie did so well, his name is worth a lot of money. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I'm sure Rob Liefeld is a perfectly oh, pleasant person. I said, I'm, I'm sure Rob Liefeld is a perfectly pleasant person, but I get the idea that he kind of feels like his shit doesn't stink. I mean, that's a huge accusation on my part. And, you know, I know it's like a huge accusation, but to go through and start blocking people over this because your number one didn't get to be the first, like, and you know, I understand that he probably put work maybe into this character, but... <laughs> it's honestly it seems like he's throwing a hissy fit yeah like, and like there's like reports that he's deleting tweets and stuff like that and it's just it's it i i feel like the other component of it is in this day and age a lot of people just don't know how to put the phone down when they're frustrated with, with yep. a conversation so that's probably how it escalated even further than he wanted it to yeah but i don't know um yeah, i i feel like he went off the handle and stuck his foot in his mouth yeah so from there, um, Mary, what is our next topic for this evening? Like, what, like, what is some of the news going on in the comic world? I really have not seen anything big. Well, I know there was the one thing that was the the the, the, the con like the, the thing that blew up everywhere was the Joker trailer this week, and it like I'm I'm mixed. I gotta say I'm mixed on Same. it. Like. 
I feel like it's almost like Incel the origin story. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the cast is phenomenal. Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz. I mean, these are some very talented people. But I almost like a Joker origin is maybe not something we really needed. See, that that's what I was saying. Because, like, And someone was even getting hate for saying that on Twitter this week. Because I was like, look... Moore tried it. Snyder tried it. Like like Scott Snyder tried it during Endgame. Joker and like even um what well, what is it? Johns keeps hyping up three Jokers, but we don't know whenever that's gonna even come yeah. out. Like we don't need a like an origin for a character that is so iconic that he can be a joke for kids. He can be the worst kind of creature for adults, mm-hmm. and. He just needs to exist for me. Yeah. Like, I watched this trailer and I was like, okay, it'll be fun. And, like, maybe they might retcon Jared Leto and be like, oh, this guy killed Jared Leto because Jared Leto was, like, like, like a stand-in or something. Like, like that could happen. I don't know. But, like, the idea of, I don't really, I, I don't see a point. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, from what I understand, it sort of exists outside of the DCEU. They might tie it in if it ever becomes convenient. Maybe. There are there are things about it that I do not like. Um, I feel like this kind of a movie, and like first of all, I don't feel that the Joker as a character really needs some kind of a detailed origin. You know, but this kind of a like as a movie, it kind of makes me a little leery, because it reminds me of the shooting in Aurora, Colorado, when um, it was at the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And the guy said he was the Joker, and I mean, yes, that was several years. I mean, that was because that was what 2012, 2013, something like that. Yeah, but it, like it kind of gave me reminiscent vibes of that, and you know, that's probably me. That obviously, that's not what DC is trying to do. That was a very uh, horrific situation for everyone involved. Yeah. But it's sort of, like, especially now with incel culture being what it is, like... It kind of adds a weird dynamic to the movie itself without really them meaning to. Yeah, and the fact that his uh, his clown makeup is inspired by John Wayne Gacy uh, as Pogo the Clown. Yeah. And, like, I get what they're going for, and I think they kind of mean this to be kind of like an indie art house film, you know? Yeah. But... Eh, it, it could go a lot of right or it could go a lot of wrong yeah like there's, there's definitely not gonna be a middle ground for this one like it's either gonna no. be really good or really bad and that, that, mm-hmm. that could, i don't know like or it could be yeah. like venom where a lot of people like like a lot of weird people like it but then like no one else likes it it could be one of those <laughs> situations hey venom <laughs> was just not good i'm sorry like you See, <laughs> i know next to nothing about venom i don't care about venom and i thought it was freaking his <laughs> I just like I, I can't stand Tom Hardy. He ruined Bane for me. So like seeing him go Venom, See that wasn't like, his That wasn't his fault. Oh no, it was Nolan, but like he I I, I blame him because he participated. <laughs> like, okay, I can understand that. Like you could have said no, just like he said no to being in Suicide Squad because Will Smith is getting a bigger paycheck than him. Like you you oh, could so- you could have said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, Idris Ilba is not Deadshot. 
Yes. He, apparently, he is not going to be Deadshot. Mm-mm. And they're they, like I said, he's gonna be a new character. And the hype is like they're, they're, there's two different hypes going on. There's some people that want him to be New Fifty Two Reverse Flash, the red and black one, and some people want him to be. Oh my gosh, my dog's barking. Anyway. Yeah, I know, right? And there's some people that want him to be Bronze Tiger. I think he would be perfect for Bronze Tiger. He would. He would be absolutely perfect. Like, especially after, uh, like, like Jai Lee did Bronze Tiger and Arrow, like, mm-hmm. seeing the potential of Bronze Tiger in a modern setting, it definitely has me intrigued. I don't think they're, like, I, I know that, like, black folks are going to be like, we, we, we need a Bronze Tiger movie now. But then there'll be, like, some black folks are like, oh, they're copying Black Panther. Like, I, I, I can see it going either way. But, like, I do think Idris in a, in a role, now, granted, I would rather him just be Jon Stewart. I, I I would rather him yeah. just be like even if it is like an old grizzled John Stewart training like Kyle Rayner or New Hal Jordan that would be something but like then people would compare it to Pacific Rim and I'd just be annoyed but like this idea of Bronze Tiger I'm just like him opposite Amanda Waller I could really see that being a good thing. I'm so happy she's coming back. Yes, yes. Like, like, like. I, I always said if I can't have CCH Pounder I'm like Viola Davis is a great substitute. I, I'm okay with this. I mean, it may have been blind optimism on my part, but uh, I knew. I knew she was going to come back. Wonder Woman means too much to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's uh, on the uh, the Blu-ray extras for Wonder Woman. They have a pretty extended segment with uh, Viola Davis. Oh. And talking, about, and she's talking about how growing up, like um, Wonder Woman is one of her absolute favorites. And that's part of the reason why she took the role in Suicide Squad. Wow. I did not know mm-hmm. that. And like as much as I mean, we're going back to the to the absolutely dreaded Green Lantern here, oh, but Angela Bassett was also perfect. Oh, she she did her best for what she could do, and I bless I like like bless her for it. Yeah, she wore that wig. She wore that wig. Mm-hmm. But no, I think Viola Davis. I, I mean, there were some people who didn't like the characterization in oh, Suicide Squad, on. but. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the scene where she shoots everybody in the room. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there, there were some folks who didn't like that, because that was more of a New 52 Waller thing, but um, eh, no, yeah, I have fair. seen her performance has been used. I mean, like, Skinny Waller was controversial, because, like, you were basically just straight up flat, like, fat, like fat shaving a character to make her skinny. So that was a whole ordeal in general. And then they were like, and then when when DC Rebirth came around, they were like, oh, she just like really got fat in like three months. And it's like, what? Uh? I mean, it's possible. And then like some people. It's possible. Oh, that's mean. Don't do that to yourself. But no, oh, it's, <laughs> it's like, like some people draw her as fat and then some people will draw her as like petite because of Viola. And it's like. Y- y- like you guys dug this grave for yourself because you chose to make her skinny and it hurts you. Because <laughs> let's see, Viola's coming back. Um, uh, Jay Courtney is coming back as Thank Captain God. Boomerang. Thank God. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the actor who played um, Flag. Um. Oh my God. Well, he's coming back too. <laughs> Margot Robbie is slated to come back. I don't Joel know. Thank you. Oh my god, it was on the tip of my tongue. I don't know if um, Katana is coming back. Karen Fukuhara. I don't know if Katana is, is but I remember I remember uh, Diablo was seen training with Will Smith and all them before. Your sound's cutting out. I oh. don't remember if it's Fuku- is it Fukuhara. 
I think it is uh, her, yeah. Yeah, Karen Fukuhara. Um, I don't know if she's coming back. I thought she was great as Katana. Oh, she, um, was, she was definitely better than the chick on Arrow, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. I mean, most things are better than Arrow. Ooh, but... shots fired. Shots fired. I will fire those shots. <laughs> we will, ha- we will have to have a conversation about Arrow one of these days. I keep telling myself that Arrow's been canceled to make room for Batwoman, and I just enjoy that. I mean, it, it probably was. <laughs> it probably was, but take that. <laughs> And like, the, like what? What was it? Um, the other characters that were announced were a female version of Ratcatcher, yes. um, Polka Dot Man, which I'm just like, I... Polka Dot Man. I'm just really hoping this doesn't fall into the whole. This is gonna be DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, no, that's the no, rumor. No, 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 that they're gonna try to make it DC's Guardians but of the we Galaxy. We need that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we like got gun too, so it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate Suicide Squad. I mean, neither, was, neither it, did I. was it great? Probably not, but it's a popcorn movie. Like, yeah. like you, you have to go in with the expectation that you have. Like, you, you can't, like, it's going to be amazing. Like, no, you can't do yeah. that to yourself. Yeah. I mean, and, like, I think it's because a lot of people compared it to Guardians when yep. the properties are really so different, but it's because they both had modern soundtracks. Mm. Or modern soundtracks modern but then again i am a dreaded dceu fan so Same. <laughs> but and like and then like everyone i like some of Zack Snyder's movies <gasps> oh my god the world's coming to an end i mean like right. that might be a whole episode in itself is that like talking about like the entire thing of Zack Snyder we might have to do that at some point but like and then I, I know that like if the, you want charges and pitchforks coming after us, it'd be fun. I'm okay with that. But like, but like, I know there's some people that were hotly debating if closer to the movie DC is going to try to put a female rat catcher in the comics. That way, they have a specific key issue. That way, people can collect it because the past few weeks ever since the announcement people have been like is the first appearance of Ratcatcher in detective comics rare is it not like they're yeah. changing the gender is it is it hot is it not like what do we do with this well and again that ties back into our central point of the speculator market mm-hmm. because um you know tying this into you know first appearances going up in price and whatnot um does it look dumb with it tucked behind my ear like this oh, it doesn't look fun. it looks fun it did. Uh, I hate my hair. Um, but um, before Batwoman made her CW appearance, um, I, I have a lot of her first appearances. You, you have a lot. <laughs> a I, lot. I have multiple issues signed by multiple people. Wow. So, and ironically, Greg Rucka has not signed a single one. Really. I have, I have one signed by Mark Wade, Grant Morrison. Uh, uh, dude, dude, dude. I've, got, I've even got one signed by Jeff Johns. You should see if, like, Rucka will let you mail them to him. <laughs> right? Like, dear Greg. <laughs> like, can you do this for me, please? Like, I'd almost be too nervous to send them in the mail. <laughs> well, like, 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 have, like, the slab ready. That way he could take them to CGC. <laughs> I don't slab my books. But, um,. No, before the appearance and before they announced them, it was worth about two dollars because the cover price for the issue was two fifty. Yeah, it was worth 
maybe three dollars after they announced her it, it bumped up to about 15 and then just before her appearance on the cw it bumped up to about 35 i must say it's probably higher than that by now yeah, it's, I haven't checked in a long time, but um, no, it's probably a lot higher by now. And especially if the pilot does get ordered to series, which I'm about 95% at will. What week because, was it? Say what? What week was her first appearance? That's a multifaceted question, but 11 is usually considered. Uh... Because Kate Kane first appears in week 7. I was about to say, there's a CGC 9.6 going for 70 bucks right now. Yeah, so there you go. But no, uh, Kate Kane appears in week 7, and then there's an editorial issue where um, there's an editorial goof where we see a panel of Batwoman in um, week 9. That's some Jessica Cruz type shit. <laughs> it is, because um, if I think, if I remember correctly, I think it wasn't supposed to be in that issue, but it just, it's one of those things that just kind of slips through like a typo. But it's a panel of her just kneeling on a rooftop, staring angrily at Renee and uh, uh, Charlie. So, like, that, that's like, that's like totally what we, we just talked about with LIFO, where it's like, it wasn't mm-hmm. planned, but it just it it slid planned. through. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, week 11 is largely considered to be her first appearance. Damn, there's a 9.8 for 90 bucks. I have six of them. Uh, seven, nine, and eleven are are on here for one hundred and seventy. Jesus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> jokes on these because uh, jokes on these guys at a convention a few years ago. I think it was maybe two years ago. Uh, we were bopping around, and I saw a Batwoman bombshells that was signed by um. Aunt Lucia, the guy who did all the artwork for it. Mm-hmm. And we, we were chatting up Batwoman and whatnot, and he pulled out a uh, a week 11 that he had signed by um, Dan Jurgens. That's the other one. I have one signed by Dan Jurgens, And he, he knocked a couple bucks off of that for me. And uh, he decided since it was Sunday, I do all my shopping on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Since it was Sunday, he threw in week 9 for me too, which was also signed by Dan Jurgens and uh, Todd Nguyen, one of the artists. Wow. So he threw that in for free. I mean, oh, he was an absolute sweetheart. But, like, joke's on him, I guess. Apparently, because now it's, like, shooting up in price, probably. Because the, all the, those books have probably shot up in price. I uh, mean, I don't sell my Batwoman shit. Kiss my butt. Um, yeah, I respect that. However, I have dragged us severely off topic. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's fine. Like, we're, It's still central to what we're doing, because, like, all the speculator yeah. stuff. But, no, uh, the last topic, before we get into the whole conversation of, like, the comic industry, like, that sort of does deal with the comic industry, is these Walmart books. Mm-hmm. They are finally going to actual local comic book stores. And they're coming in a tradition... They're, they're being reprinted in a traditional floppy format. And... I just, I feel like DC kind of bit themselves on on the ass with this entire situation, because while I think it is admirable to try to go back to the old 7-Eleven days of, like, because for those who don't know, back in the day, like, when we were kids, or, or even earlier, like, right when, like, newsstands were sort of dying, there was the idea of putting comic books in grocery stores. Whether it was 7-Eleven, whether it was Topps, whether it was, like, it was Kroger, you would see comic books everywhere. And 
like it would be like mostly Marvel and DC, a couple funnies and stuff like that. So like that's how a lot of kids got into comic books. Like mm -hmm. they used to have spinner racks in the Seven Eleven. I remember too. So like that, I I I think it's admirable that DC tried, but in this day and age, I don't think it's possible. No. And the Walmart books, they were admirable. Yes. I, I knew exactly what they were like, you know, you can kind of get a sense exactly what they were trying to do because I mean, and you know, I got a couple of the Walmart books. Sam, I bought the first Teen Titans one. And, um, you know, it, it was meant as something to draw kids in. Cause I mean, you get these massive, what hundred page issues for five, five bucks. bucks. That, that doesn't suck. And at Walmart already DC and Marvel both sell packaged comics. Mm -hmm. They come like three to a pack. Uh, um, Marvel's bundles tend to be about ten to fifteen dollars. Yeah, and then I think DC's because, are like eight or nine. Uh, DC, I think maybe like eight or nine, but uh, Marvel bundles via cover price. Uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. But um, I like DC kind of meant it as an incentive, like, oh hey, here's this cool Walmart book. I want to read more Superman. Let's go to a comic book store. Yeah, kind of a thing. But that's not what happened. No. <laughs> what happened is a the speculator market, and b retailers were pissed. Mm -hmm. Especially when they had the whole thing where it was like the first appearance of Ginny Hex was in the back of one of them that Bendis did. So it was like, like if it was all reprints and it was just like a digest, like a DC digest or a Walmart digest, or like a Marvel digest where it was just like, here's a bunch of reprints for you to come into the comic shop and pick this up. That makes sense because it was supposed to be a bunch of reprints and then one exclusive story that wasn't going to be printed into a comic book. Which yeah. made total sense. But mm -hmm. I think the problem with that is, especially with them being exclusive stories, the speculators ate it up. And then, like, like they were going, or like, I, wanna, I don't want to say speculators because there's a lot of good speculators. I want to say scalpers, more like. Because, like, the scalpers were coming through and just cleaning Walmart out. You would have pictures on Facebook and Twitter of just whole, like, the whole little stand they had for the books were just cleaned out. There was oh, yeah. no, there was nothing there, and it was depressing. So then you had kids coming in like I, I wanted to get this, and there was nothing there. And then you had retailers yeah. who were buying the books and trying to resale them, and that got them in trouble. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, you've got scalpers, you've got collectors, you've got uh, scanners for the pirate sites. Mm. We should talk about that. I'll, I'll, that's my note. Yep. We we should talk about that during our conversation today. That's yep. gonna be a fun one. <laughs> should I just read that Twitter thread I did? Oh, <laughs> I mean, like that'll be. Or like, I, I want to bring up Zub's thing. But no, like that entire situation is just like it. It's this entire snowball effect of. We mm -hmm. we get your intention, but this wasn't the right way to do it. Yeah. And I mean, like, even GameStop has, like, exclusive covers they do occasionally where they'll buy out Diamond. Like, I know they had a Champions exclusive cover for number one back when it first launched. And, like, that's cool and all, but, like, the idea of it can be very negative if you're not doing it correctly. Yeah, especially since the retail market is in such trouble. Mm -hmm. so, and you know retailers individually they don't have a lot of power 
but when they lump together, they do. And especially if you start getting some of these big retailers like Midtown DCBS, Graham Cracker has like 11 different locations. Like mm-hmm. once these big retailers start getting involved, then you know you're in trouble. Yeah. And any kind of deviation outside of the retail market, like it's a bit of a mixed bag because um, DC, Archie, I think maybe a couple of others have newsstand contracts with Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. They do. And so well, I, think, I think DC yeah. stopped it. Did they? I think they did. Yeah. But um, no, every so often when I'd, be, when I'd troll the magazine rack, um, I'd see some comic books and, you know, they had the, the, uh, the newsstand barcode. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, the funny thing, when I was still working at DCBS, um, for Batman Rebirth number one, don't know how, don't know why, we ended up getting a copy with the new stand barcode. Oh. We, we didn't catch it until we were scanning some guy's order, and it wouldn't scan. And um, my coworker and I were talking, that's when we realized it was the wrong barcode. It was just, it was funny. That's um, <laughs> It was. Because, like, how does that even happen? But... Okay. Put the wrong box. Yeah, but, um, I mean, the retail market is looking grim. Yeah, and that can spin, and that... In, in, like, into the, into the main topic that way. We can just speak freely on it. So the main topic of the night is going to be us talking about the comic industry, but the comic industry as a whole, because I wanted that, like, this to be, like, part one of us talking about the troubles the comic industry is having. Like, this week will be the retail section, next week can be the publishers, but, like, this week I want to talk about, because a lot of things happened this week. We had the Liefeld thing, we had a big controversy where a bunch, like, 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 a bunch of different writers found out about the biggest piracy site on the web, and mm-hmm. that caused a lot of drama. And there's just all the issues we've been having with, like, um, sales in general. And yeah. it, we, like, I figured it'd be a fun topic, and then Mary agreed. So, um, one thing that a lot of people think still is that comics are still the way they were in the 90s. That is so not the truth. Because back then you had, what, 40 million copies out each month like per like like going on for each publisher and that is not the thing action 1000 hit oh, like didn't it hit the million mark it, i i don't know like i think it either it did or it got close and that was the first book in a long time that had uh, got that close uh star wars number one hit the million marker i forgot about star but... wars <laughs> But that number is inflated. And that's the problem with these diamond reported numbers is that they're hopelessly inflated. There's the inflation from because. Marvel bumping the numbers up. There could be, or do you, like publishers bumping them up. There could be the variant problem. Well, here's the thing is that, you know, Diamond, I mean, Star Wars number one hit the one million mark. Yes. But that's not how many copies were sold. That's how many copies were bought. Ordered. And there is a difference there. There, like, there's a difference there because retailers ordered a million copies of Star Wars number one, mm-hmm. but retailers didn't sell a million copies of Star Wars number one. <laughs> and I did a big ranty Twitter thread about the Diamond problem, Diamond comic distributors. Um, I did a big ranty thread about them a couple days ago on Twitter, 
And, um, you know, I worked at a large box um, online retailer. I'm sure my old boss would not be happy that I'm going on about this. But <laughs> we had we had boxes of Star Wars number one years after the fact. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, they were sealed. We knew they were labeled. They were sealed. We never opened these things. Wow. And the printer boxes, Marvel printer boxes, hold about 225 to about 250 books a piece. Whoa. So we're talking five, you know, six, seven, eight boxes just sitting around. And I'm pretty sure I used one of those boxes as a coaster once. Like, <laughs> like that's how common. And I'm not saying that to be like, haha, look how much of an asshole I am. I'm like, that's how commonplace it was because they would just get moved around. And, you know, do you let them sit or do you sell them at a loss? Yeah. Like, and that's the problem for a lot of retailers that when they overorder on some of these books and they get screwed on them, what do you do? Do you sell them at a loss? And, and everyone's like, oh, sell them at a discount or give them away. It's like, but then the, that store is still taking that hit. And a lot of times stores can't afford to take a hit that big. They can't. No. And then the whole issue with that is that we have... That's why one thing that I want to stress, and that one thing that Mary stressed on her giant thread on Twitter was, you can influence the diamond numbers by pre-ordering. Yes. Like, it's the same thing with, with video games, where it's like, if you pre-order, your number is in that giant list that diamond puts out every, every month. Of like, so like... In a, in a few weeks, we'll have the March charts. And we'll probably talk about them on the show of, hey, here's the top 10 books. Here's the top 300 books that were sold this month. And those numbers look insane, but it's what is the number order, not what's sold. So if you're the one pre-ordering your books, and granted, there's the whole issue of capitalism. You can't afford the book sometimes. You can only mm. afford to come in on a Friday and grab it off the shelf, which is fine to a, to a certain extent. But the idea of actually influencing the number with your actual pre-order is a big thing. And that's something I talk about in the thread a little bit is um, just the stranglehold that Diamond has in the industry. Because Diamond is so large that they were investigated by the Department of Justice in the 1990s. Yeah. And while they have, they were ruled to have a monopoly on comic book distribution, they did not have a monopoly on book distribution. So like actual, you know, novels. So they ruled a Superman comic in the same realm as like a Jane Austen novel. And because uh -huh. Diamond didn't have uh, a monopoly over book distribution, it wasn't technically a monopoly. Wow. And in 20 years, that has changed a lot. Comics are, they permeate the mainstream a lot more, especially with trades. Trades mm. is what has screwed them because Diamond has a monopoly over trade distribution as well. Trades have gotten on the New York Times bestseller list. Trades, <laughs> trades win Glad Awards. We just had Snagglepuss win a Glad Award. We talked about that last week. The idea that these books are not like there's what Watchmen and in, in, in Dark Knight Returns are still used in schools. Like, oh yeah. The idea of these books being so involved in our culture. So the idea of you going, oh, this isn't a book, so it's like a comic, so it's not like it's not really a book, so it doesn't count as a monopoly. That's kind of concerning because. And there might be a day that we talk about the entire, like, thing of how Diamond became a, a monopoly, but, like, it's insane. <laughs> oh, the, the they, uh, publishers signed exclusive deals because they were trying to, um, instead of putting books back on newsstands, 
they decided just to keep them purely in retail stores. And so mm-hmm. Marvel was the first to sign the exclusive. Um, then DC followed. I thought just DC was first because Marvel was trying to go with a different distributor. Honestly, I'd have to look it up. But the big two were the first ones to fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just a couple days ago, Ahoy Comics announced that they had signed an exclusive deal with Diamond. Yep. And then Vault did it last year, too. So, mm-hmm. like, like so it, all of these. Yeah. And when, and you know, what we mean by signing an exclusive deal is that no one other than Diamond can distribute the book. Mm-hmm. And any local comic shop that has a diamond contract can only sell books from diamond. Mm-hmm. You can't like if somebody, if like if you've made a comic book and you're walking in trying to get it into a store, I bet you nine times out of 10, the store owner will turn you away because if it's not in diamond, if it's not in previews, they can't buy it. They will they lose their contract. It. Yeah. And you can lose your diamond contract for pretty much fucking anything. Like, Diamond is just terrible, and I defy you to find me a retailer that has good things to say about Diamond. And, and like, granted, when we were, unpa- we were unpacking a shipment once, we got a roll of paper towels. And we open up a box, got to pull out comics, there's a trash bag, and there's a roll of paper towels in the trash bag. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's Diamond. Um... Like, and, and, and granted, I, I don't think Diamond means to be this insane to a certain extent. Like, I feel like they're just trying to make their money and be done with it. Like, they're not, like, trying to yeah. control everything. They're they're even doing us a favor to an extent right now with the whole Amazon situation. So, well, well the thing right. is, that, Keep talking. yeah. Well, Informed Diamond. <laughs> now you're all mine. Haha. Oh, God, that was dumb. But. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how many people are watching right now, but that was just really funny. I'm laughing. Cause I can... <laughs> yeah. I I'm sorry. Thing. I started laughing because I could just hear you yelling. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I muted my mic. Oh, you did? I thought no, I did. No. Oh, no! <laughs> Crap. Crap, that's horrible. Oh my uh, god. I, it, it I thought I muted it. Oh, I must not have did it. I hit the button, damn. But, uh... Go no, ahead. Uh, oh god, what was the point I was gonna make? No, Diamond doesn't care if retailers sell the books. They honestly don't. Diamond cares how many books you order. Yep. Because comics are largely non-refundable. They're non-returnable and non-refundable. Only in very specific uh, circumstances can you actually return a book. And like, there so was the whole thing retailer, during Rebirth where they made every book returnable. Um, DC met with retailers and they said, because, you know, DC had to get Goodwill back after the New 52. Because mm-hmm. that last year, sales were abysmal. So in order to win back retailer support, um, DiDio and Lee told retailers that the first three months of every single Rebirth book would be 100% returnable. And that was so smart of them to do. Oh, yeah. And Jim Lee would later go on to admit that there were more returns than they had initially hoped for. But retailers ordered big. They did. They absolutely ordered big. Because for the twice-a-month books, it was uh, the first six issues. Mm -hmm. And then for the monthly titles, it was the first three. Wow. I mean, and even the store I was at, we returned a lot too. 
how we return the books is a little frightening to some. Uh, you tear the cover off. Oh. Uh, that hurts my soul. <laughs> that, that hurts it my saves... Soul. <clears throat> mm -hmm. You tear the cover off the book. Oh. Um, when you have to send in your damage reports to Diamond, instead of sending the whole book back, you tear off the cover. Because nine times out of ten, the barcode's on the front cover, and you can't sell a coverless book. So you rip off the covers and you send those to Diamond. Oh, that, that, that just sounds so painful. Oh, yeah, there was one time I was working the store and I, I was uh, ripping covers off damages, just sitting there behind the counter, just rip, rip. Uh, <laughs> like, yep. that, just, that just cringes my soul. Like, I, I, I love comics too much for that. Like, that, that just hurts. I, I don't know if you I can ever to... do that. You have to smash damaged statues. I've done that too. Oh lord! But, like, and no. Um, what we alluded to earlier was the whole thing happened this week with the like a couple. Jim you, yeah, Jim Zub, Jim Zub, and then Tom Taylor got in on it. Where these these writers found out about one of the biggest piracy sites when it comes to comics. There is like it's not you have to download files. It's not that you have to torrent the files or anything like that. They found just. Go here, read the book, and there was millions of clicks on their series. Like in, I think Injustice Two had over a million clicks, and oh, yeah. it, it and was just, appalling. Injustice Two, I think it had like six million. Uh, it had yeah, six million. Yep, six million four hundred twenty-eight thousand. Yeah. And it's like, they, like I think Zelda had this whole rant where it was like he's trying to pitch people go like go to your LCS. He's trying to pitch people to go to Comicsology, and it's very admirable on his part because he's just trying to keep his job. He's trying to like get these books out there and tell them, hey, yeah, every comic is your first, but all these are available at your LCS for you to pick up. You don't have to struggle or read these. And like, yep. The money can be tight, but like that's there for everybody. Cause hang on. Nope, that is the wrong book. We know what site it is, but we're not gonna tell y'all we know. Nope. <laughs> like like like, like he had uh, put my post and everything and it was it was very obvious. Oh no, but, as soon as as soon as I saw the screen cap, I knew exactly what side he was talking about. Uh-huh. And it, yeah, it's, because... it's depressing. Yeah, his Champions run that has four issues out right now has over a hundred thousand clicks. That's like, depressing. Over a hundred thousand clicks for four issues. War of you the Realms that dropped this week, like like literally the day of, already had ten thousand clicks. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that you know you can go into the comments and you can see uh, people discussing the story and they're excited for what's going to happen next, and it's like. But the more, like, each... And and there are a lot of issues that go into pirating books. I mean, you can ask my wife. I buy all my books. She is not happy about how much money I spend. Because, <laughs> like, uh, this past week, I spent, like, 30-some-odd bucks. I mean, I get 20% uh, off cover for my LCS, but I still spent, like, 30 bucks. Wow, that's a week. Yeah, that's that's a week. Um hashtag i have a problem yeah. but but um you know i i have to i pre-order all my books so like that kind of compounds the problem but yeah. and it's like 
we, we just saw the report. I remember Bleeding Cool put out, put out an article this week. I forget what retailer it was, but like they were saying that if someone didn't buy the chain, they were going to go under. And it's mm-hmm. like, like there, there's more comic stores being closed in America each and every month, it seems like now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whether it's the old type of stores that aren't, moving into the into the future of being like a card shop or being a collectible shop too while also being comic books or it's the people who aren't making the right purchases through diamond and running themselves into the ground Mm -hmm. or just the market not being what it was in the 90s all three are having these messed up effects on the industry yeah and i mean you run them like i said there are a lot of different factors that go into this. If you, the only comic shop in your area is run by some creepy douche bro neckbeard, and you're like a mm. woman who wants to read comic books, and you feel creeped out going in there, you're not gonna go in that store. Hell, the the uh, two towns over from here because I go four towns over to my comic shop. There is a comic shop two towns closer to here where you walk in there, smells like Marlboros. You try to pick up a comic, like, all these long boxes just have comics all over them. It's dark. He's, like, constantly outside smoking when when no one's there. And it looks appalling. Like, no one would want to go in there. And it it just, like, you don't want to be there. You go to the shop, like, three towns over, dude's like, like, come in. We have magic on Wednesday. We have this and here. And, like, 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 come in, have a good time. And it's like, this is dope. You need, (laughs) if you can't foster that environment you're not gonna get people in there you're gonna creep out people that aren't just white dudes and it's gonna be mm-hmm. this the situation of no one wants to buy the books in general so like mm-hmm. there's so many like elements to what it is in general and it's crazy um kai's in the comments and she's saying that the piracy is just going on in, in, in like regular novels too like oh yeah piracy isn't is an enormous is, like, okay. is like a new issue but like the like how bad it is in comic books is astounding oh yeah I mean, and the piracy for comics has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, like I said, there are a lot of factors that drive people to it. I mean, you've got, um, international, um, uh, international readers, if you will, who don't have access to comics and whatnot mm-hmm. that, you know, will go and read these things. And, you know, I have a friend in Spain, and we were talking about that, and after my thread, she sent me a message, she sent me a message, and she says, do you know anything about um, international distribution? And I really don't. And mm-hmm. she said that um, that she has to order her comics a lot from either the U.S. or she tries to get them from the U.K. sometimes, because, yeah. um, as opposed to trying to read English translations and whatnot. So, I mean, that's got to be pricey, and I mean, I'm, I don't... She doesn't read a lot, by the way. Hi, Laura. Um, <laughs> but like when she really, when she latches onto a book that she really wants to read, like Batwoman, she was ordering it from the UK. And like, there's the there's the talk of digital, and digital is a double edged sword because you have things like Amazon who bought Comicsology and does things, but then you have the situation with Amazon where it's like they weren't doing a Hellboy sale for the upcoming movie, but then you look at, like, for Comixology, but then you look at Amazon, Amazon had almost every Hellboy trade in existence on sale for eight bucks, but then it will get automatically sent to your Comixology account, but 
it's not yes. that price on comicsology. So mm-hmm. their system isn't the same thing, and it causes problems. And then there's thing, there's other different companies that do digital books, like your library, your local library has yes, a thing. Hoopla. Yeah, Hoopla does that whole thing where you can check out trades, and that's the other thing too. Trades, trades in general are a big burden on the industry too. If you're mm-hmm. just trade waiting. Book ain't gonna yep. make it to trade. That's what happened with Iceman. That's what happened with Wasp. People, or, or in America, even though America was a horrible book, like, 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 <laughs> yeah. well, like but... pe- people trade waiting hurts the book. Yeah, and I can tell you, as a you know somebody who worked in a retail shop, the way Diamond has such a stranglehold on the industry, the only surefire way to support a book that you know to make sure the book continues is to pre-order the print issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can pre-order the trade, you can buy it on digital, but publishers, I mean, this is literally just the book that was closest to me. I'm not like, but um, especially like, you know, DC and Marvel and whatnot, they drink the diamond Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Sadly. And pre-release cancellations are not uncommon. I'd say the probably the most recent, most famous example is Angela Queen of Hell, which was canceled before the first issue even hit stands because the pre the print pre order numbers for the first two issues was too low. Hell, Black so Panther and the crew first got issue, after one issue. Like, mm-hmm. hit the first issue, and because sales were that bad, it didn't make it out there. That's why yeah. when you'll see my giant article I done on the, web, the website where I was like. Look, folks, y'all love Black Panther. That's awesome. I love Black Panther, too. I've been waiting for a black superhero for years. But if you can't support the book, it ain't going to be here much longer. Like, sooner or later, Marvel's going to get tired of, of printing Black Panther books and the sales only being in, like, the high by hundreds. It's mm-hmm. going to be a problem sooner or later. Black Panther and the crew and Black Panther World of Wakanda, two books that were getting critical attention, especially oh, with yeah. World of Wakanda with having a lesbian like like like, like a love interest there. That those books were getting like critical acclaim canceled. And they got canceled. <laughs> and World of Wakanda sold really well in trade. Mm-hmm. But even then, pre-ordering a trade is still detrimental. Mm-hmm. And this is where it kind of gets frustrating because I'm sure somebody somewhere is sitting there going, well, you know, if I want to wait for the trade, the hell am I supposed to do? Fortunately, publishers are starting to take notice. Because... I said as a trade waiter who has no space for floppies, I feel so called out right now. <laughs> But see, that's the problem is that when we have these conversations, it's often that we're trying to shame people. That's not what we're trying to do. We're pointing out that the system is so broken that, you know, I have 15 short boxes just in the bedroom. I got five long boxes sitting here with all my shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, this right here to my left is a problem. Like, let me see. Ah. Oh my god! Yeah, look that's at all a, that. A lot of, that's a lot of books. <laughs> that's like a month's worth of books. Here, let me see if I can. There's my long boxes and all my Funko Pops over there. Yeah, I I, I have not vacuumed the floor, so you guys don't get to see the boxes under the bed. But <laughs> um, but no, everything that I just showed you is from like a month. Because you know, Mary has a problem. Mary has a problem. Uh, I do have a problem. Ask Victoria. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, Kai asked a very good question. Um, how do you feel about digital first 
binge read style Marvel is doing. The, Je the, 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 like the, the Jessica Jones and the Luke Cage and the Iron Fist and Daughters of the Dragon. The latter three are canceled. They didn't make it past trade one. Because if you look at June solicitations, they're already being pr pr printed in trade and they're not doing hot. Jessica Jones is the only one that made it to trade two. I have mixed reactions about those books. Talk about it. Because as somebody who worked in an LCS, because um, I worked in the warehouse, in the storefront, I am very defensive of them. Why? Because, because there's something about it that is so intrinsically linked to comic culture. And I think that they can be safe havens. They can be these avenues where geeks can be geeks kind of a thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had the very distinct honor of being able to work for a store that is owned by women, that the entire um, executive staff, if you will, is all women. Uh, the people working the store were all women. So, wow. and you know, half of us were gay. So we had, I, I had the good fortune of being in this really cool environment where, you know, there was a lot of men there, but there were also a lot of women and, you know, women got to be up front. And, you know, I had a lot of older guys who would come into the store and not really know what to do. There That's was one funny. guy, I know there was one time um, a very older man came in. I probably put him late fifties or whatnot. Asked to speak to a male coworker because he didn't know if I. He had a specific question, and this particular coworker, he was fantastic because it was a question about uh, Superman, and the male coworker just pointed at me and went, "She no, I really wouldn't." That's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, all of the guys I worked with, they were fantastic. I mean, it was such a cool environment to be in. And so I had that, you know, literally, I had that honor of being in a super welcoming environment where it was a really cool dynamic. And we got to see all kinds of people who come in. I had a particular experience. And that's all I'm going to go into. It involved Supergirl. I had that experience. And I think it was the environment of the store that really helped with that. Mm -hmm. But then you got the assholes. Yeah. And that's kind of where I get, you know, that's where I get a little, a little wonky on that because, you know, I want to defend the good stores because there are so many of them, but there are just as many stores that are toxic environments to women, to the LGBT community, to people of color, mm -hmm. like there are a lot of really toxic environments. So like I, I, you know, I got my shield in one hand where I want to protect the stores. And then I got my pitchfork in the other where I'm like, let's get rid of the assholes. Yeah. So, and Marvel was probably doing it as a way to punish retailers. I'm going to be honest with you because when Marvel pulled the digital codes from their books and mm -hmm. replaced it with those three first issues of these random trades, so retailers were pissed because people were canceling their Marvel orders mm -hmm. because they were buying the print copies to get it at a cheaper price. Cause most stores will offer you a discount if you have the subscription box. Yep. So, I mean, even in my store, we had people canceling Marvel orders because why were they going to get this issue when they just wanted the digital book? Mm -hmm. So, and you know, not too long after all of that rigmarole and retailers get mad and a way that retailers fight back is that they will fill their subscription boxes and then order nothing else. Damn. So that that's really a way a retailer fights back is that they will order for the customers that specifically requested them, but they won't put anything on the wall. It's not a practice that retailers engage in regularly, but that is the surefire way a retailer can fight back. And when there was pushback against that, Marvel really didn't like it. Marvel and the retailers have 
they have issues. DC is constantly trying to kiss retailer ass, but no, Marvel and retailers don't always get along. And again, tinfoil hat theory is that Marvel was trying to punish retailers with these digital first books. But at the same time, these digital first books could potentially bring someone into a store. Yeah, and now granted, I, I see what they were doing specifically because while Daredevil will always sell well because it's Daredevil in terms of like print books, there's the there was the issue of like Luke Cage and Iron Fist weren't doing well, but that's because you shouldn't have split up the team, Marvel. You shouldn't have let Sanford Green and David F. Walker keep their book, Marvel. That's not the point. And like like those two separately weren't doing too hot. And they tried to do a Daughters of the Dragon book with Misty and um with Colleen. Colleen trying to, like, score points off of those people who really liked those two as a dynamic together because they had had a thing in the, the past. And then there was people who, like, really liked Jessica Jones, and the digital sales just weren't enough. Because, yes, the the conspiracy theory is that t- comicsology slash digital sales make up about 10 to 20% of all comics sold. That's the conspiracy that I hear. But... The idea of just going, this is digital first, and then it'll be in trade later. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's a, it's an interesting concept, but at the, and like, and they were kind of smart to do it with their net Netflix books, but at the same time, and like they even tried to with, with Cloak and Dagger. They tried to put like Cloak and Dagger as a digital first book and then print it in trade. But I think the problem with it was, I think DC figured it out first. Where with with injustice, where mm-hmm. it's they release it weekly. They release it weekly, but also it's digital first for like a couple weeks, and then uh-huh. print comes out. I think they started doing that with bombshells, or at least I know bombshells was the first big. Yeah, I think um, it was bombshells. I think it was bombshells was the was the 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 uh, the first big time that they uh, did it on a wide scale because they would release three parts of the issue. Because, you know, each week you would have a digital chapter and then three weeks after the issue, you know, three, four weeks after the issue would come out. Yeah. And then the story would keep going. Then eventually there were some issues where, you know, the print issues got pulled back for a little bit. Mm. So uh, the digital issues were actually a little further ahead into the future because I got the digital copies, the print issues and the trades. Yeah. Because, again, I have a problem. And like... Go ahead. No, the, the digital first thing that Marvel's doing, it's a bit of a three-pronged issue. Because are they punishing retailers? Are they trying to bring in new readers? Or are they trying to court female readers? Mm. Because, you know, with those books that you talked about, I, I will bet you dollars to donuts, as my mother would say, that female readership was a large part of that. And they can get away with basically doing like because with publishing them physically in trade, Marvel can go, what? We don't hate the retailers. We're putting it out in trade. Yeah. Um, um, Musa Man said that he, he, uh, I love you guys. Okay, good night. So, Your sound cut out. Can you repeat that? Um, Musa Man, like the, the username, said, I love you guys. Okay, good night. Night. I honestly don't know who that is, but that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you you for the love. Thank you for the love. That's awesome. But but no, so like, I think that, now granted, I remember, what was it? Uh, Who, I'm trying to think, um, whoever wrote 
Mighty Morphin Power Rangers until recently. I can't think. Whoever, I, I, uh, he had a book at um, DC. It was a Batman Beyond book that took place in the canon for a while. And it was an idea to bring Batman Beyond in and test him before they brought him back in, like, in, with, with Future's End. It was before Future's End. And it was digital first, and then they tried to do trade later. So I think DC cracked the code on it, and Marvel just didn't keep up with it. That, yeah. that that's my that's my grand theory about that is that they didn't take the cue from DC of going okay, we did this first. Didn't work. Kyle Higgins. Kyle Higgins did the Batman Beyond book, and like DC workshopped that whole idea beforehand. But Marvel was, like, really early on with it. Now, granted, that is a good idea that, like, they were trying to hook in the women and the people of color with Luke Cage and all the other books. That's a good idea because you had, I remember when they had the whole issue of Marvel Legacy where they canceled Wasp, America, Luke Cage, Gwenpool, and Iceman all within, like, a week. There mm -hmm. was all of, all of the LGBT, all the people of color, and all of the women who were, like, what are you doing? Why are you giving it, giving into the alt right idiots? Why are you canceling our books? And it's because the pre orders just weren't cutting it. And you may have been buying every shots. digital book, or you were waiting for the trade, or buy or vice or vice versa, or both buying the digital trade. You may have been supporting the book, but it <clears throat> it doesn't do what you wanted to do, and it sucks. I, I know it does. And like, like I said, that's how much of a stranglehold Diamond has on the industry, that these sales for the little print floppies, you know, they add up to the numbers that matter, according mm. to Diamond. But like I said, the publishers are starting to listen mm -hmm. because Iceman and Wasp were canceled, but they sold so well in trade and the demand for these two books was so high, they bought both of them back. Yep, they did. Iceman was a mini, wasn't it? I think it was a mini, and I think Wasp is like dancing on the on the like, on the, like teetering on the idea of mini, same way mm -hmm. that Falcon did, where they were like, they're not gonna say it's a mini, but like it, it, it could be a mini if you guys don't support it. That's what I think yeah. they're doing. Because I was pissed when Falcon got canceled. I was like, we we fighting Mephisto, we killing vampires, Blade and Brother Voodoo are making cameos. This is fun, and then it was like canceled. And I'm like, yep. why? <laughs> and the, that's kind of, that's where it all kind of starts to fall apart, is that the narrative in comics has kind of taken a step back again because the people who buy the diverse books and whatnot largely do not order, um, pre-order the print issues because yeah. it's such a toxic environment. And like, the, the big question is, is how do we fix this? Yeah. Well, I think one and, thing that I know that Midtown does that could be a very good MidtownComics.com, the idea of digital subbox or like online subbox oh, that gets mailed to you. DCBS and Midtown both actually do um, online pre-orders. It's a mail order service. Yeah. I worked at DCBS. Um, I know with both of them, you can get like 40% off. Mm -hmm. And I really encourage that if you have a toxic shop in your area. If you don't have a comic shop in your area, or if you've got one that's really shitty, maybe look at a mail order service. Yes. 
because your your number would count with that because they would go because oh, like if you look at midtown right now they have a button under all pre-orders where it's like hey do you want to add this to your sub box if you make an account and they'll add it to your sub box every week or every month if like if you pay the shipping and pay the cost they will send that to you and that's a really genius idea like it, gr granted for those big box stores they're going to keep them busy but like oh, yeah. the idea of you having a safe way to order your comics that's a great idea oh yeah now, if you want to be like me with my big-ass long boxes, because my genius plan is to buy it all in singles and then sell it to somebody who likes collections and then buy it all in hardback because I'm that guy. <laughs> no, I just kind of, like, stack mine. Victoria says if I get any more boxes, she's going to start building furniture out of them. That's so, hilarious. <laughs> expect my short box couch to be coming very soon. That would be the greatest thing. Like, she puts, like, little cushions on and then puts a sheet over it. That way it doesn't damage anything. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, she, she'd do that. But, and, like, unfortunately, it's hard for us to sit here and, like, you should buy print issues. But, like I said, it's this whole issue is so part, it's so fucked. Yeah. But, like I said, retailers are taking notice. And if you are, if you've got, like, no space and you buy digital only, keep buying digital. Yes. And make your voice heard tell the retail not tell the but tell the publishers what books you like and it was that kind of vocal outcry after the cancellations of Iceman and Wasp that brought those books back because the more you tell them you want it the more inclined they are to give it to you mm -hmm. even action lab did that with raven the pirate princess mm -hmm. which was teetering on the edge of cancellation because it doesn't it didn't sell in print yeah. and even i wasn't buying it in print because it was hard, it's hard to come across but the outcry for potential cancellation was so high that action lab flipped it to digital only uh... but no the, the book has continued for at least a year or so after the fact oh well, i mean i have it works it was a massive campaign but the book is just now digital only i mean hey, like if it's if it's selling like that's the good thing about that so like it, it's selling there is a benefit to digital. Now, I will say, don't attack read like publishers and be like, "You canceled my book!" Oh, like, like yeah, no, yeah, don't do, don't do that. But like, say, "Hey, I really like this book. Can it please stay?" Hey, here's my receipt from like, don't put your credit card information. But like, hey, here's my email from ordering this book. Can you keep this book in print? Can you make it a digital only if it isn't doing well? Like, that can be an idea because. I, I wish I could see the numbers for Cloak and Dagger, how it did in trade, because it just hit trade. I would love to see the numbers for digital on that one, because the fact that with the, t the TV show getting a second season, it might be doing well. I don't know, but, yeah. like, I, we, we, we'll never know. So it's, like, the idea of digital being this resource that publishers can use is a great thing, but mm -hmm. we there has to be a more of a balance and more of a respect for both, I think. Mm-hmm. And... DC was doing well with trying to court the digital market there for a while. Mm -hmm. Because when Rebirth kicked off, all of the titles were $2.99. Mm -hmm. When they upped the monthlies to $3.99 because they included the digital code in it. That was smart fun of them to do that, though. Uh, copies stayed at $2.99 because you're paying the extra dollar for the digital code. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was a decent way to court digital readers. And, you know, if you didn't want to spend the extra dollar, you could just buy it in digital. Mm-hmm. 
But then they yanked the codes out like we all we all knew they were going to. And now they put codes in the first issue and then in nothing else. Hint, hint, DC, get the... F- ah! Yeah, but then there was the thing they, they announced last week of... Sorry. Now we have DC Universe. And... Like and now DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited and Comicsology Unlimited are about to be these three pillars that are going to be another problem with with retailers. So, if there's benefits to those, that could be. Mm-hmm. There's also detriments to those because now it's similar to GameStop, where GameStop's bread and butter has always been used games. Comic mm-hmm. shops make good money off of back issues, so. They just got hit, like hit in the knees a little bit because now DC's going. Hey, we want to play toys with Marvel Unlimited too. Here's that, which I, DC, I I know it's a process, but like if you could just add the rest of 2013 Titans so I can finish and like like read it all again because I love that series. That would be amazing. They gave me all of Young Justice. I need all of Teen Titans like that, and like they gave me all of Aquaman New Fifty Two too. Like, like I'm like oh it's so nice, but like I just I need everything. Like I I I need my Legion books. I need my Batman. Like I get to read Snyder's Batman again, and I'm freaking loving it. Like like I, I like I, I'm a sucker, man. I I can just listen to Scott Snyder talk about architecture for like the rest of my life. Like it's just it's so nice. <laughs> He said fanboying on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But no, um, so we, I think this was a very healthy conversation of us sitting here talking about, like, yes, there are problems, but there are ways to fix it. I don't really know if there is a way for retailers to really fix their problem other than really. make your think... environment better. Yeah. And that's why I say, because um, on Twitter as well, I started... Um, my big question was, hey, do you guys have an awesome shop? Let me know. And, you know, we there was a group of us, we were all retweeting it and trying to promote good shops. And, you know, I'm also, I'm from the Midwest, James, you know this. We're all about small businesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> small are. businesses are the backbone of our economy. Yes. So, you know, we're all about small business out here. And we tend to bend over backwards to want to support them. And, you know, they're usually mom and pop shops, if you will. Mm-hmm lost my point um i think i think but, the, po- like, like the point you're getting with is like small like small businesses are a great thing but yeah. it is a detriment it's like mm-hmm. so um i think tier like point one should be make your environment welcoming like if someone yes. comes in and doesn't know where the hell to start like that's point one if you yeah. can if a person comes to your shop said hey i saw end game i want to read some avengers point them to aaron's avengers point them to um, well, don't don't give them Hickman. Their their brains might melt. But like, give, <laughs> like like sadly, give them Bendis's new Avengers. Give them things that can get them into the series. That way, they can enjoy it. But yeah, don't give them Hickman. They might die. But like like maybe like a couple years, give them Hickman. But like 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 make your environment welcoming. Bring them in. Like have events. Have like free comic book day is always a great thing that's coming up soon. Yes. That free comic book day is always a boon. Yes. So like, if you go to free comic book day come back like yes like it, like don't just come with a free book come back for the next issue because like like marvel and dc do those things where they're like hey we'll advertise our next event in the free comic book day that way you can come in and read that event like do that like enjoy that idea um yeah. and that like and then from there i think that, like the better idea is just to like don't close yourself off like if your comics aren't doing well 
have Magic the Gathering, have Pokemon, have, like, collectibles like Funko Pops, do what you, have statues, do what you gotta do to make your money so you can stay around. Um, from there, um, I, we, we will move into the, the wrap-up of the show. Um, one thing we're gonna start doing every week is having, uh, weekly recommendations for books that are coming out. Um, this past week was since we like we we, we didn't we didn't do it last week because of the Batman celebration. We will talk about this past week's books. Mary, what was a book that you read this week that you just love? Summit. What summit? <laughs> uh, summit is a superhero book from Lion Forge in their Catalyst Prime imprint, which is it, it's super reminiscent of Milestone, and I'm so happy because <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Well, no, it is. I mean, it, it is a, an imprint that is led by people of color, by queer people. Like, it is a modern-day milestone. Okay. Oh, that, that's, that means two things, actually. But yeah, no, uh, Summit is about a scientist who develops superpowers. And she's... Uh, she likes a plus for me. No, I'm not getting a reaction from that, James. Oh, wait, no, I was pulling my thing. What, what, what did you say? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was pulling up my, my recommendation. I didn't hear what you said the last part. No, I made the joke that uh, Val, the, uh, the, the, the uh, central character, likes Lesbians. ladies. And that's plus yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but um, I think one of the more interesting things is that it is a science-y superhero book, but it is solid science. Because Amy Chu, the writer for this book, has a background in science. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it's not like bullshit comic book science. Like, there's a little bit of fantasy science, you know, fantasy science. But a lot of the science is based in reality. That's probably why Green Hornet had a lot of scientific shit in it. Mm-hmm, it's because Amy Chu has a background <laughs> in STEM. And she also did Poison Ivy, Circle of Life and Death. So, no, she's got a really heavy science basis in all of her books, and it's solid, and it doesn't seem like, you know, Tony Stark make-believe of, I'm going to upload my consciousness into a computer. <sighs> so it's well-written. Uh, Val is a layered character. She's not, not the gay superhero. Um, it's got a great cast of supporting characters, like... Lionforge and Catalyst Prime are doing really cool things. I think it's a new breed of superheroes for a new generation. And um, check out pretty much everything. Summit just happens to be my favorite. Uh, there's Noble, who reminds me a lot of Icon. Um, do, do, do The Astonisher. I mean, they've got a bunch of different books. They've actually launched a couple more new heroes because Gail Simone is their creative director now. Okay. Question Ian would know. But, um, you know, legendary writer Gail Simone is really going to be helping them shape the universe going forward here. Uh, it is just a book I'm very excited about. I'm working on trade reviews for the first three volumes of Summit, so keep an eye for the, eye out for those on the site. Okay, okay. So that was this past week for me. What, what, what is your recommendation for next week for readers to pick up at the local comic book shop on Wednesday? For next week, I'm going to have to say Unstoppable Wasp. Okay. Because this past issue dealt a lot with Nadia inherit inheriting her father's bipolar disorder. And it was a really well-written storyline. And mental health and superheroes can be something that can be muddled real easily. <laughs> Here's in crisis. Um, <laughs> but 
th this was an in-depth look at mental mental health issues and the way it affects teenagers. And this next issue is the conclusion of that arc, and we see the resolution. And I'm really excited to see that resolution and to see how the rest of her friends who had varying reactions all kind of come together with that. We actually were able to sit down with Jeremy Whitley, who is the writer of Unstoppable Wasp, and we did an interview with him about um, Unstoppable Wasp. Blah, that is a mouthful if you've got Unstoppable a list. Unstoppable Wasp. Yeah, I have a list. But Unstoppable Wasp number five, uh, numbers four and five. So we talked with him about that. Um, you can check that out on the website as well. And um, he really has a lot to say. He did his research, and I'm very excited to see this next issue on Wednesday. Okay, okay. Um, my recommendation for last week. Um, Vin, I'm going to dive into the indie pool with you a little bit. So uh, Image has a book out right now by writer M.D. Marie. Um, vindication. It's this, like, I don't know why, but, like, all these people making these books about, like, uh, racial issues in the, in the country have been so great. You've had, um, Brian Edward Hill over at DC writing books. You have Bitterroot at Image right now with David F. Walker. And now you have this book, Vindication, where it's a story about a young black guy being, like, investigated for, like, like a murder that was similar to one that he was exonerated for because he was falsely accused in the past. And it's really good it's a mini series it's only gonna be four issues it's on issue three right now you can probably go back on comiXology and get the other two while you're picking this one up this week and it's really good i highly recommend it um this week on the other hand if i flip over to my listing here um is somewhat indie but not really because of the notoriety of it scooby apocalypse is finally ending after being on store shelves for three years, it was the only Hanna-Barbera book to survive all of the cancellations. Because when it first started, you had everything. You had, um, what was it, Wacky Raceland, you had Flintstones, Flintstones. Like you, had, you had all these books. But now it was just like Scooby Apocalypse that was left. And, oh, Mar Mary's gone. Where did Mary go? I'm still here. Oh, you like, like you were like, you were a black screen for a minute there. Um, oh, am I? <laughs> but no, like Scooby Apocalypse, what is the only, what was the only one left, and it was written by Keith Giffen the whole time, except for like randomly Jim Lee wrote three issues towards the beginning, and then the whole run was by him. You had Jan Dematius doing backup stories of like Atomic Ant and Secret Squirrel being in in real life, which was so weird. Like Secret Squirrel in real life was just weird, but like. It was such a good, intriguing story, and then Jan Dematius was able to finish, like do the final issue for the series. It comes out this Wednesday. Um, the entire series is out in trade, except for Volume Five that will be out in May, and then I think Volume Six will be later, like in the fall, because of the last issue being this week. So, if you want to catch up. Please do if you're a big Scooby-Doo fan. It's definitely a different turn on things. Than <laughs> it's you dark. Would, it's very dark and very creepy, and like it, like it, like it definitely scratches that. Like you're a big Scooby-Doo fan, but you're an adult now. So like it, it scratches that itch that you wanted like from now. It's so nice. So I highly recommend that book. So yeah, we, th th there will be occasions where we don't just pick random big two books. We'll like dive into some indie crap because we're those kind of people. Um, so. Mary, what is your closing statement for episode two of the show? 
my closing statement is that my TV is being weird. Um, no, my closing statement, um, James. You're 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 frozen, and like well, you're you're like you're, frozen? yeah, you're frozen, and it looks like you're like you're doing this, and it's really oh fun. god, damn it. it's still frozen. <laughs> um, yeah, it's still frozen. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, no, oh, there you go. Okay. Now, now you're just a little blurry. Uh, I knew my internet was gonna sabotage me at least. Okay, now, like, you're, I, now you're just frozen again, and you're smiling. You know what? There you go. Mary, what's your closing statement for episode two? My closing statement is, screw my camera. Um, <laughs> but, no. Support local retailers. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a very fair uh, closing statement. Did Mary die? No. God damn it. I'm still here. Okay, cool. Well, that is a very good closing statement. Support local retailers. They definitely need your support. Um, support the comic industry. We, we, they really need it. My closing statement is basically the same thing. Support local retailers. Support the comic industry. Thank you all for being with us here. Uh, Travis wasn't able to make this episode because he was having internet trouble as well. But we wanted to focus this episode on the comic industry a little bit. That way it can give you guys a little bit of a look inside that. But I'll talk some news because there is, like, this is con season and we're, like, in between that period of, like, we're not at San Diego yet. So, like, like we're kind of in a dry spell and Endgame is in a few weeks. So, like, there isn't that mm -hmm. much, but we still wanted to have, like, a main topic that was important. So, thank you guys for wh whoever watched. Yes. We really appreciate you coming through. And anybody who watches the archive, because I thought there was, like, 30 views on the archive and I was like, wow, that's awesome. So, like, Anybody who watches the show, we really appreciate you coming through. Um, yes, thank you. Don't forget to uh, check out oncomicsground.com for all your written reviews and opinion pieces. We had all these amazing opinion pieces that were turned in this week that will be coming out this uh, week. So check those out. Check out our, our recent ones and whatnot. Follow us here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash oncomicsground. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at oncomicsground. And uh, follow the podcast at ptp underscore podcast. And also check out um, Living on the Edge podcast, our uh, sister show, where we talk about Spider-Man, all that different stuff. I know Alec is doing this whole thing where he talks about each Spider-Man movie leading up to Far From Home, so please check that out. It's really cool. And then we will catch you guys next time. Peace out. Bye. <laughs>